we export a lot of things, but idolatry is one of them. It really is. And I, and I thought that was an appropriate word. Um, let me give you an example this morning. In India, India really doesn't have a hunger problem, although so many of their citizens are starving to death. They don't have a hunger problem because of a lack of food. The Hindu religion teaches reincarnation in the form of animals, and therefore it's against religious laws to kill rats, mice, and cows, and really every other animal. And matter of fact, every cow eats enough food to feed seven people. Now you just do the math on this. There are 200 million sacred cows in India. Think about that. If the people of India would just stop feeding these cows, not even using them for their own food, but just stop feeding them. So understand that that's what we're talking about here. They would have enough food to feed 1,400,000,000 people just by stopping the feeding of these sacred cows. By the way, that's more than one-fourth of the entire world's population. So I, I open with that to show you the results of idolatry. Now we Westerners here in the United States, we look at that issue and we scoff. We surmise that these pagan people prefer pain, the pain of starvation, to the proper pursuit of salvation. And we think how sad that they are so confused and misunderstand. And as Americans, how sad that they've never had a good medium rare steak cooked over fire. <laughs> so however that works for you, you can, you, can, you can make that adjustment. But I want to submit to you today that we are not any different than those, our brothers and sisters in India. Our gods, however, are just more familiar and socially acceptable. I want you to think about that. We look at India, 200 million sacred cows, their children are dying from starvation. We think how foolish. I would submit to you, we are exactly the same. The only difference is in what we worship. And that worship, hear me, hear me, that worship of American idols is every bit as detrimental to our children and our life as is the worship of sacred cows in India. The difference is, it's acceptable. It's what we know. And that's what they know. So in essence, we are no different than they. So, what I'd like to attempt to do this morning is to break down this whole idea of idolatry into three parts. And hopefully they're logical parts, and hopefully we can get super honest about what this means in our lives. The first part is definition, the second is demonstration, and the third is danger. What is the definition of idolatry? What is a demonstration? What, what are our idols, so to speak, in, in American culture? And now what's the danger? What's the big deal? Does it really matter at the end of the day? So with all of that, let us jump right in this morning, and let's begin with that first one. What is the definition of idolatry? And Sam, before you flip that, good. Leave that right there. Let me ask you, well, how would you define idolatry? When I say idolatry, what do you think of? Trusting in anything or anyone except God. 
Okay, trusting in anything or anyone except God. That's good. What else do you got? That's the problem when someone gives a good definition at first. Everyone just wants to say what she said. <laughs> what else do you have? Idolatry. What comes to mind? In the back, Carol? Okay, spending time on entertainment instead of spending time on God. There's a great book I would encourage you all to read. I wish you could think of the author. Uh, um, my son can probably look it up and tell me. It's called um, Amusing Ourselves to Death. And it's a great title. By the way, um, it's interesting. The word amusement, to muse, comes from a Latin term which means to think. And ah means not. Amusement means to stop thinking. <laughs> Just ponder that today. Good. What? Give me one more definition before I give you some that I have discovered. Yes. How? Absolutely. Putting something first ahead of God, ahead of, of that which should be first in all things. So that's excellent. So let me give you some things that that I discovered. Um, answers about. What idolatry is. The first one is going to come from New City Catechism, and this is the long version, not the not the short version. And the answer in the New City Catechism is trusting in created things rather than the Creator. But here's what we're trusting in the created things for, and I want you to ponder this: for our hope and happiness. Two different things. One one gives birth to the other. Hope is the mother of happiness. So, so we're trusting in created things rather than the creator for our hope and our happiness. But then there's two more things. Also for our significance and security. Hope and happiness, significance and security. That's one definition. Um, here's another one I thought was good. Idolatry is turning good things into God things. Idolatry is turning good things into God things or ultimate things. Do you remember our definition of, of sin from last week? Memory reminded me of this Wednesday night. Sin is de-godding God. It's taking God off the throne, right? De-godding God. That's, that's the nature of sin. The, the, the manner in which sin is expressed in the world has another word, and that's idolatry. Because when you take God off of the throne, listen to me, the universe will not stand for an empty throne. <laughs> right? Are you with me? You always replace God. So when you de-God God, you must make God something else. Does that make sense? So basically, idolatry is somebody sitting on a throne that doesn't belong to them. Are you with me? And so the question we got to ask is, who's sitting on the throne of your life? Yeah. You know, and a good thing made into a God thing is a bad thing, ultimately, at the end of the day. And we'll get to that as we break this down a little bit further, a little bit later. Um, here is another definition. It's, uh, this is from Webster. Idolatry is the worship of idols. Or, I thought this was good, excessive devotion to or reverence for some person or thing. Excessive devotion to or reverence for some person or thing. I, I thought that was, that was pretty good. 
An idol is anything that replaces the one true God. The most prevalent form of idolatry in biblical times was the worship of images that were thought to embody the various pagan deities. I thought St. Augustine put it fairly astutely in his definition. Listen to his definition. Augustine said this, Idolatry is worshiping anything that ought to be used and using anything that ought to be worshipped. You ought to write that down. I should have put it on the screen. I did put it on the screen. Look how good is that. <laughs> you ought to jot that down. Idolatry is worshipping anything that ought to be used, and I could put a parenthesis in there, anything that's been created. The Bible says that God created all things for our enjoyment, which somehow brings God glory. It's kind of like you're, you say, I don't understand that. Well, have you ever given your kids a present? You ever done that? Why do you give them a present? Yeah, well, because you want to watch them enjoy it. And what blows me away is that when they're little, they like the box more than what's in it. So really, you know, I've gotten old and wise. I just give the little kids empty boxes for Christmas, and they're thrilled, and so am I. <laughs> but, but we give that to them so that they might, so that we might witness them enjoying the gift, right? So, so, so idolatry is worshiping anything that ought to be used, a.k.a. anything created, and using anything that ought to be worshipped and only God ought to be worshipped. And so many times we don't worship God. Can I say this? We use Him as a means to our end because we are firmly seated on that throne and not God. I know that's a, that's a ponderous thing to allow in your mind, but I want you to do that. It's powerful. Um, here's another definition of an idol. That for which I would give anything and accept nothing in exchange. That for which I would give anything and accept nothing in exchange. That's the most important thing in my life. Whatever that is, is my God. Now, I really want you to think about that in relative terms to who and what you are today. Let me say that again. That for which I would give anything and accept nothing in exchange is the most important thing in my life. And whatever that is, is my God. Um, I find that amazing when we really stop to think about what that could mean. So, with those definitions in mind, let me ask you a question. We can look at India and say, those poor people, those poor uninformed people. But can we look in the mirror and say, what are my idols? What is it in my life that I would give anything for and accept nothing in exchange for? What am I willing to die for? What am I not willing to give up? What, what do I order my life around having and protect it and sacrifice to it? What are those idols in our life? So that's the, that leads us to the next question. That's the demonstration. Um, and I think that'll come up there. Am I missing a screen, Sam? 
There we go. Demonstration. What, what are my idols? So let's talk about that today. We live in the United States of America. We don't worship cows. We eat them. And all God's people said, <laughs> Amen. Actually, actually, I think, the, I think the, the Baptist church has done more damage to the chicken population than the cow population because we call chicken the gospel bird because it always shows up at fellowship dinners. Um, but, but we don't worship cows, but we worship something. And by the way, do you know why we do that? You ever Here's the deal at the end of the day. When you were created by, when mankind was created, our parents, Adam and Eve, and it's passed down to every one of us, listen to me, we were hardwired to worship. I, I want you to understand that. You say, well, I'm not really a worshiper. Oh, yeah, you are. If you're sucking wind, you're worshiping. If you're breathing and your heart is beating, you are a worshiper. You can't help it. You can't help worshiping because it is the express purpose for which the Creator made you. The only question is not, am I worshiping, but what am I worshiping? We can't help it. How many of you say, well, you know what, I'm just not that into breathing. You know, breathing is, just, you know, it's too much work. I'm not into breathing. Well, yeah, you can do that, but you won't be alive. Yeah. We breathe by nature, listen to me, and we worship by nature. Every breath you take is so that you can continue to worship something or someone. I want you to understand that today. We are hardwired worshipers. So the only question is not, am I a worshiper, but what is it that I worship? What is it that I worship? So I ask you, what, what do we worship in our culture? Not cows, but what? What are some things that, that we live for, that, that we order our life around? Money. money. All right, money. Why? Here's the, why money? What's the deal about money that makes it worth ordering our whole life around? Because we believe money can buy happiness. What we can get with money. What are we? Possessions. And why do we want all that stuff? Let's, let's unpack that further. What's the, what's the draw to have possessions and money and stuff? Hmm? To have more than you. Power. Okay, why, let, me, let me punch that back a little bit further. Why do I want power? What do, let me put it this way. What do I think power will give me that I don't currently have? Ah, now you got it. It's at the end of the day, worship betrays your control issues. It's at the end of the day, when you've de-godded God, somebody's going to sit on that throne, and here's the word, and control your life. And if it's not God, then we must find some, in our mind, suitable substitute. Now, if you live in India and grow up in that culture, a cow is a suitable substitute. We go, oh, how foolish. But you know what? It might make more sense to worship Bossy the cow than, than, than the American buck. That's right. The dollar is less secure than the cow. Really? Maybe they're not so crazy. Because at the end of the day, if you're not worshiping God, does it really matter what's sitting on that throne? I don't know. We worship money because we think money is going to buy us several things. Happiness, 
and, and that's the other answer. It's security and significance. See, and that's in our definition of idolatry. Looking to anyone or anything for our hope and happiness, security and significance. And, 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 and a lot of times we think money or position or power or influence gives us that. By the way, most marriages take place today because we believe we can get those things through a relationship with that person, and that's pure idolatry. When you look to someone else to meet needs that only God can meet. It's absolutely crazy. And then we wonder why there's so much divorce, why the divorce rate in the church is no better than a divorce rate out of the church. Why? Because we've perfected the art of idolatry in the church as well as outside of the church. If you marry that person because you think they're going to meet your needs, is it no wonder that you're not with them a year later, 5, 10, 20 years later? No, it, it actually makes perfect sense because we are hardwired to worship. So we, we worship these things. I want you to really think about that for a moment. How do you identify what your, your specific idols really are? How do we put our finger on it? Okay. What you spend time with? What you dwell on? Pardon? What you spend your money on? Ooh, the first thing you think of in the morning, I'm going to write that down. And the last thing you think of, I like that one. First and last, what is your alpha and omega? First thing you think about in the morning, last thing you think about at night. That's, that's a good chance that's your idol. How about your children? Hey, you know what? Kids make phenomenal idols. Why? You look to that kid to meet your need for happiness, significance, security that, you know, they're going to carry your name. You're going to live after you're gone. It's a lot of pressure to put on a kid, isn't it? We wonder why we have hard relationships with our kids. Are we expecting out of them what only God can give? When that child begins to control our life, when their welfare becomes our... Now, should we take care of our kids? Of course, the scriptures tell us that. But when our kids keep us from keeping God on the throne, we begin to order our life around them and not God and not bring them under the submission authority of a holy God. we got a problem. I've often said this, God's best blessings make the biggest idols. Are we, are we doing that? Are we, are we looking to the created for what only the creator can supply? I would submit to you that when we do that, we are in all kinds of danger. Um, and and it's, it's a frightful thing. Here's what Norm Wakefield said. I thought this was good in his book, Equipped to Love. Um, he said this, the moment we look to anything other than God to supply our needs, we give that person or object or circumstance the power to make us miserable. Why? Because there's only one God 
and nothing else has the power or the resources to satisfy our needs. You see, and that comes into the last one. That's the danger. What's the danger? We defined idolatry. It's anything that we're looking to other than God to meet our need for happiness and hope, security and significance. The demonstration, money, sex, power, position, possessions. And we think about all those things. We're looking for these things. What's, we're, has the old song goes, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> Aren't we? I mean, that's not a church song, but it's a, it's a, it's a kingdom principle. <laughs> okay, we're looking to people and things for what only God can provide. Well, what, at the end of the day, what's the big deal with that? What's the danger in that? I mean, and I think this is our attitude. You correct me if I'm wrong. I think we think that God says, well, you know what? Kids will be kids. I'm just going to overlook it. I don't think so. Be careful when your view of God is that of a senile grandparent because that's not God. If he, listen, if he overlooks your sin, he's not God. Be careful. Especially the sin of idolatry. That's like, that's like a big one. That's a really big one. So if you've got your Bibles open there to Romans chapter 1, let me just walk you through the danger of idolatry. Why is it a bad idea? Why don't we start back on verse 18 to get the context of it. He, he says, for the wrath of God. What is that, church? Wrath. You ought to underline that in your Bible. The wrath of God. Oh, he said, you know, you can't preach on that because people don't want to hear it. <laughs> you know what? We probably need to hear more of what we don't want to hear. There's a reason you don't want to hear about that. He says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against how much ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Circle that word in your Bible. All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. You know, you can wrap the whole verse up and say, God's not playing. He's God, and whenever we look to anything else or anyone else to fulfill that role, the wrath of God is revealed. Why? Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. You know. You know God. God put a God-shaped vacuum in the very core of who you are. You intuitively know that there is a divine creator who is ultimately good. You know it. But what he says here is that even though we knew it, we did not glorify God as God. Neither were we thankful but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were what? Darkened. Now here's the results of that. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They changed, this at this, the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness 
in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged, this is so important, who exchanged the truth of God. And notice what your Bible says. It doesn't say for a lie. What does it say? For the lie. What is the lie? The, the lie is the one that got us all into this predicament in the first place back in Genesis. Yeah, you will not surely die. For God knows in the day that you eat of it, you will become like him, knowing good and evil. In other words, God is a liar. And God is holding out on you. You know what? You know why you have a person or a thing sitting on a throne of your life other than God? Because you have believed and are believing the lie. Yeah, I know there's a God, but he's holding out on me, and this one's going to do a better job. Now, even to hear yourself say that, you know how foolish it is, but we live it. We live it, and we sacrifice to that God every single day. They, they, they knew God, they glorified him not as God. He goes on to say, um, i got to find my place. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. They worshipped and served the creature, that which is created, rather than that which created the creature. You see what I mean? God's blessings be, are very easily turned into idols if we're not diligent to constantly ask ourselves, who is sitting on the throne of my life? And what's the danger? What's the danger in idolatry? What's the danger of anyone but your creator and redeemer sitting on a throne of your life? Anyone, what is the danger of looking to, for instance, your wife to meet your needs for security and significance? What's the danger in that? If we lose them, we're destroyed. If we lose, and, and we could lose them. I mean, poor Linda, she knows that experientially today. How many of you have experienced that in your life? Just raise your hand. I want you to see this. I know Winnie. Okay, we've always, we've experienced it. We've got, we got so many widows and widowers just in a small congregation because they're not going to be in this existence forever. That's one reason. Here's another reason. What is it? What is it? They can't meet those needs. I mean, to, I mean, my wife's a great, she's a great woman. I mean, she has rewards in heaven just for being married to me. <laughs> Easy. You know, you say amen nowhere else in a sermon, and you say it there. <laughs> but she, she's a wonderful woman. But look, I, she's limited. She is, for me to look to her to meet my needs is putting on her a weight that God did not give her the ability to bear. Yeah. And it happens. It happened last week. I said so, there was something that I wanted to hear from her, and she should have known to say in order to help me feel significant and that what I'm doing matters. And she didn't say it, and it angered me. And so I waited to the very end of the day, and I just dropped that bomb on her before I went to bed. Wasn't that nice? Mm, she must not slept good. Yeah. Shame on you, Pastor Paul. Thank you. I'm going to give you your chance to confess your sin in just a minute. So, hey, we got a microphone here handy. 
right? Why do we do that? Why? Because I look to her for what I should be looking to my Creator for. It should be enough. But we want to hear it from... We, want, we, want have, we have idol problems. We look to people for that which only God can supply. And the danger is our... Now, I was just disappointed. But let me tell you what. You carry that thing out. You, you live your life around that. You won't be just disappointed. You will be destroyed. And by the way, you're killing your spouse. They're not made for that. They're made to help you look more like Jesus, not to be Jesus in your life. Your children are made for many reasons, one of which is to help you look more like Jesus when it's over. But to make them your world is a horrible idea for them, for you, for everybody else around you. Hideyoshi was a Japanese warlord who ruled over Japan in the late 1500s. And he commissioned a colossal statue of Buddha for a shrine in Kyoto. And it took 50,000 men five years to build this huge statue of Buddha. Now, if Buddha would have gone on Weight Watchers first, it probably would have just taken a year and about 10 guys. But I digress. <laughs> And then, would you believe it? Shortly after it was completed in 1596, the area is hit with a massive earthquake and a statue is destroyed. It's buried up and it destroyed and actually brought the roof of the shrine crashing down with it. And in a rage, Hideyoshi shot an arrow at the fallen statue. And here's what he said. I put you here at great expense and you can't even look after your own temple. You know what? I don't blame the guy. What is he doing? He was killing an idol. He said, man, I sacrificed to you and you can't even keep that which, you sac which I sacrificed to you. What kind of a God are you? And that's why Paul says, he, shall be, he will keep our redemption until the day of Christ. He who began a good work in you will complete it. The day of Christ. God keeps that which he owns because he is God alone. Does that make sense today? I read this. It kind of hurt my feelings. So I'll share it with you. It says, the idols my heart adores are those things which I demand for joy and significance. A well-known pastor in New York tells a wonderful story about a time when he discovered this application in his own life. He came home one Wednesday evening after a board meeting, whistling with joy over the unity of the elders and the success he had dealing with complex problems. When he entered the house, his wife said, wow, you must have had a great day he suddenly recognized that his moods had less to do with the nature and character and promises of God than whether he got what he wanted at work. John Calvin once said, our hearts are idle factories. They are. Why? Because you're hardwired to worship. I think the other danger is quite obvious 
in the text. As a matter of fact, it's all over. You can find it also in Colossians 3, 5, and 6, where it says the wrath of God is revealed against idolaters, basically. And it gives you a whole list of things there. You know what the biggest danger of an idol is? It's not your disappointment. It's your destruction. It's the deceptive nature of an idol that is hardwired to ultimately disappoint you, but that's not the end of it. It destroys you at the end of the day. It's the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And we don't really understand that. We don't really fear that like we ought. When we look to the created rather than the creator and worship it, what we need to understand is we are incurring the wrath of Almighty God. And why is that the case? Why do you think that is? Why do you think God is so angry at us worshiping, looking to anything other than Him for our hope, our happiness, our significance, and our security? Why is that so offensive to such a big God? I mean, He made everything. What's He need that for me for? Why do you think that is? Yes, that's a part of it is the, is the cost of what it cost to, to put us right with God. I think that's a big one. I was hoping somebody would say that. He knows, he loves you so much and he knows that these things are going to are going to sooner rather than later disappoint you and destroy you and that if you keep looking to them, your destruction will be for eternity. He, listen, God hates idolatry first and foremost because He deserves all worship. Period, end of story. We've got to get there first, the big picture. God deserves and therefore demands your wholehearted, unhindered, undivided worship. God says, I made a throne in the middle of who you are that fits only me. And when anything else is there besides me for whom the throne was made, the result is my wrath. And I can't even describe to you what the wrath of God is. It's far worse than the worst thing you can imagine and I can imagine. I, I just believe that with all my heart. The wrath of God is something you and I cannot endure in any way, shape, or form. Can't do it. Why would God be so ticked off? Because He is God and He deserves it. He deserves it. And let me flip that around. When He's not on the throne and we're worshiping something else, we deserve the wrath that we're earning. You need to hear that. We, we earn the wrath of God, yes? We earn it. And I think the secondary reason, outside of himself, and that's enough, 
is that God knows the pain is going to bring you, and he loves you. Let's just back up from it. Don't you hate those things that hurt your children? Yes. Yeah. You hate them. Hate them. You want to get in there and fix it. Right? Because you love your kids. We're out, we're out working on the back deck of my house yesterday. Tom and Dale and Casey. Where's Casey? You kind of blend in with the pew today, Casey. It's hard to see you. <laughs> We're all back there working, and, and Elizabeth brought lunch. And uh, little Jackson, now this back deck is, what, 18 feet high? Off the ground, long way. And we're, we're working on that, and here comes the kids running in. Little Jack comes running in, no kidding. Goes to the rail, 18 feet up, swings his leg over the top, and is over that rail almost before anybody realizes what's happening. Did this happen? And I wasn't even in there. I was out watching this through a window. And I, I don't know, was it Sam? Was it you that got to him first? Well, it was. I think Sam. Sam turned around just in time to see the last leg going over the rail. Talking fit of 18 feet. And every, we were doing important things, but I want to tell you, these guys were up on ladders and stuff. Everything stopped. And, and everyone's attention was right there. Mm -hmm. And thank God, Sam was there. Sam snatched him right off that rail and pulled him back to safety. And we were all what? Relieved. Relieved. Mm -hmm. And I ran out there and I grabbed Jack and I said, you can't climb that rail. We weren't all relieved. There was one who was offended. Jack was inconsolably offended. And you know what? Didn't bother me in the least. Didn't hurt my feelings one bit. You know why? Because he's too ignorant to know what danger he had just put himself in. Can I say to you, some of you are too ignorant to know how much danger you're in right now. Thankfully. You have a Father in Heaven who not just created you, He redeemed you, who says, you know what? He's a bonehead. He's fixing to go over the rail. Holy Spirit, go snatch him back and wear him out. Mm -hmm. And do not, do not be consoled for his crying. <laughs> Take him to the woodshed and teach him a lesson. Because he's not smart enough to know he just about ended his life right there. Oh, beloved, let me tell you, some of us, we are, we are on the precipice of doing stupid things to end our whole life right now. Because we're looking to something other than the Creator for hope, for happiness, for significance, for security. And God knows the danger in that. And he loves you too much to let you throw your leg over the rail. He loves you too much. And be, we should be thankful that he does. So, what are your idols today? The late, great Charles Baker, our resident poet, wrote a poem about this. And I want to share it with you. When I'm done with this poem... The music team's going to come, and as they're coming, I'm going to read you, in closing, a prayer from the Valley of Vision. This is called The Will in 
the worship. It's brilliant. The will in the worship. Here's what he says. Men look with scorn at idols born in ages past of mankind's need. They're much too smart to worship such. Oh no, indeed. Instead they bow, oft times kowtow, to money, power, people, things. They worship still, despite his will, in worship that no comfort brings. If only they would learn to pray to him through whom all things were made, they'd find the peace that brings release for which our Lord's already paid. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Do you know the peace for which Jesus Christ has already paid today? What are your idols? 